The thing that I love about when the people's reaction when they taste Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American or Keeper's Heart Irish Plus Bourbon is it gives you, it shows that Irish whiskey can stand up alongside bourbon and give an extra dimension compared to 100% bourbon whiskey or 100% Irish whiskey. This is one of the things that we're seeing when we're, as we go across the different markets, that people are enjoying the, the taste, the, the mouthfeel, the overall flavor, and the, evolve, the evolving flavors that come through the whiskey as it sits in your glass. Although the last whiskey didn't get much of an opportunity to sit in your glass, if you leave it to sit a little bit longer, you You're might to look see better all the time. By the way, <laughs> you might see the evolution of the flavors. <laughs> do you enjoy a good whiskey? I know I do. I'm John Caldera. I sat down recently with Brian Nation. He's the master distiller for Keeper's Heart Irish Whiskey. Used to be with Jameson. He's now set up shop in the United States. We're going to talk all about how whiskey is made. This comes from our television program, Devil's Advocate, which you can watch on YouTube. Just go to our channel, IITV. That's IITV. Hope you enjoy this. There was a reason when we built this set, we made it into a bar. Yeah, it's real liquor there. I'm really excited to add a couple extra bottles of this. Brian Nation from uh, Keeper's Heart, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. It's great to get the opportunity to talk to you. I, I know it's not really political and it's a little out of everything, but I love whiskey and whiskey's a big deal now, um, at least here in the States. I don't know where the hell you come from, but it sounds, it sounds, <laughs> it sounds odd. Um, how long have you been doing whiskey? I've been involved in whiskey since 1997, so almost 25 years at this stage. Um, and it's and yeah, it's definitely I've definitely seen a change in whiskey over that time, and a real growth and interest in whiskey and experimentation because around whiskey. Growing up, it was that soft alcohol was getting more popular. Spirits were going down. They they were gonna they were gonna go the way of the dinosaurs, and now there there are distilleries popping up everywhere. I want to talk, but I, I want to have a drink first uh, while we do this. I think we, we'll try this one first. All we? right. What is it? This is Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American Whiskey. So it's the first time you get to taste the richness of an Irish pot still coupled with the spiciness of an American rye whiskey. So it's really a unique taste, a unique flavor. And that's the philosophy of what we do at Keeper's Heart and O'Shaughnessy Distilling Company is that we actually bring the best of both Irish and American distilling traditions together. You make it sound so romantic. or But it is. is it just a bunch of drunks who talk about what they... No, it's not. It's, it's absolutely a romantic process. It's a romantic... The art of blending is very, very romantic in terms of trying to get the correct flavour profile that you want to deliver in your, in your final whisky. And the same in the actual distillation process. I've got a lot to go through. <laughs> oh, I've got a good job. Estrovia. <laughs> um, Slancha. So... You were the master distiller for Jameson, and you've been with Jameson for how long? I was with Jameson for 23 years. Oh my God, this is awful. This is terrible. <laughs> Actually, this is terrific. All right, how long were you with, with Jameson? So I was with Jameson for 23 years, and the last seven years of which I was master distiller. I took over from the previous master distiller, Barry Crockett, in 2013. And I did that job until I left in July of 2020. And you took a job to come out to the States, work with the O'Shaughnessy's, and do what I imagine is pretty small batch 
whiskey, comparatively? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest with you, uh, I, I laugh because if somebody told me, you know, in 2018, uh, that I would have left my role as master distiller with Jameson and had moved my wife and family to America, to Minneapolis, to be in part of a brand, a new brand, I would have told them they were completely mad. Why would they be mad? Because, you know, I didn't have any intention uh, of leaving. I was very, very happy in what I was doing. And also, if you're, if you're the head guy at Jameson, which is the biggest Irish whiskey distiller, that, that's a pretty prestigious gig. Yeah, it, it was a fantastic role to have. I mean, we, we were a fantastic team at, at, at Middleton and there was a lot, of, a lot of great people. It wasn't just the master distiller. There was lots of great people working there. Um, but an opportunity arose that really uh, spiked my interest. Um, and I met really, really good people as well. And, you know, people ask me, you know... You, you can be honest and just say you were drunk. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Actually... Maybe I could use that as an excuse. <laughs> I like to think maybe it was a midlife crisis, you oh, know? Could be. But I'm actually really happy with what I've done in the decision. It's got to be a, a, an exciting thing. I know with Jameson, you're, you're taking over for a tradition of all this other stuff. But here, you're at the beginning of, of a brand new venture. Yeah. Pardon me when I ask some really basic, basic questions. I like whiskey a lot. I'm not certain what it is. And I know there's Irish whiskey, Scotch whiskey, which I really, really like. I know there's bourbon, which is an American thing. And then there's rye and this and that. What is just whiskey? What, what does that mean? So whiskey, the, the best way that I would, would describe whiskey is, is basically it's made from, traditionally from different mash bills of grain. And then it's, it's processed like you would process a beer. And then you would take that fermented beer and you bring it forward to either column stills or pot stills to literally capture a flavor profile that you like in a distillate. So is it, so is beer and whiskey, when you boil them down to their first ingredients, is it pretty much the same? I know there's barley over there. What is the main, main ingredient here? So when you, when you talk about whiskey, depending on the type of whiskey you're talking about, the, the, the main ingredients is grain right? Grain and water and yeast. So when you're actually going through the process, you're doing exactly what a brewery would do. And they could, you can use either malted barley, unmalted barley, you can use corn, you can use wheat, rye, lots of different types of grains to produce different types of whiskies. But ultimately what you're doing is you're, you're taking that grain, you want to extract the starch from the grain to break down. The starch is just long chains of sugar. And then you want to break those sugars down into fermentable sugars that you can ultimately add yeast to to convert that to alcohol, water and carbon dioxide. And you're looking for alcohol and the flavor that's in that fermented wash. The only difference to us in a brewery is we don't add hops. And hops add? Hops would add the, you know, the, the overall mouthfeel to, the, to a, a beer or to the, you know, the, the bitterness of, of a beer. Happiness is all to do with the mouthfeel of the fermented beer and flavor. We don't, we don't do that. What we're doing is we bring that fermented beer forward and we put it through a distillation process to capture the flavor profile that you want for your particular distillate style. And then you take that distillate 
and you mature it in, a, in an oak barrel, traditionally it would be an oak barrel, for a number of years in order for there to be an interaction between that distillate and that wood to what give you a whiskey. So distillate is the spirit that you produce off the, off the pot stills or the column. You can't call it whiskey at that stage because it hasn't been matured. And is there a flame that does this? I'm, I'm thinking about old guys with moonshine and, and stills and they boil something. Yeah. Is, does that happen? So traditionally well? what you would have had is you would have had cold fired stills where you literally would have had a flame under the still boiling like you would boil on a, a, on a gas cooker. And ultimately what you're doing is alcohol boils faster than water so the alcohol will boil first and you're capturing that as a vapor oh, and right, condensing right. it and that's your distillate which you send for maturation to make it a whiskey this is irish and american yes uh, help me with this i to be honest i never really liked irish whiskey it just wasn't shame on you i know i know <laughs> I've, I've had too many fights with irishmen and and uh, a buddy gave me a bottle of um, a keeper's heart and and I really liked it. It was different. What is the difference between Irish whiskey and let's just say scotch? I know so, one's in Ireland yeah. and the other one's in Scotland. Apart from the obvious. One's in Scotland and the other one's in Ireland. Apart from the obvious, the first thing that, that I would say would set Irish whiskey apart from scotch whiskey is that Traditionally in Ireland, they would use a mash bill of malted barley and unmalted barley, whereas in Scotland, it would traditionally be 100% malted barley. Also in Ireland, the use of malted barley would be, it would be malted barley that isn't peated, so there's no smoky taste off the whiskies. Generally, there's no smoky taste off Irish whiskey. There are one or two that have it, but generally there is. So isn't. the peaty taste in Scotch comes from? It comes from the grain. It comes from the malting process. So what you're doing is, just if you want me to explain a little bit about what malt is. Malt is, barley is taken from a field. Right. And then what you do is you, you take that barley and you effectively trick it into thinking it's going to grow again. So you, first of all, you will bring the moisture content of it up by, by soaking it in water. Then you'll expose it to very humid conditions where you want the internals of the grain to actually modify it with almost thinking almost that it's like going to sprout. grow. Almost like sprout. Yeah. And just as it's ready to sprout, or as they say in, in, in the process, chit, C-H-I-T, mind you, <laughs> right? <laughs> you stop it because now you've got all of the enzymes mobilized inside in that grain and you dry it and with, you dry it in a kiln and you bring the moisture content down. That will basically stabilize the enzymes and it won't be used then until the process, the brewing process. In Ireland, what you would do to dry that is you would use clean air to dry that, hot air to, to dry that. In Scotland, you can use peat, peated air that will bring a peaty mist okay. uh, to, the, to the actual malt itself, and that's what gives it its smoky taste. All right. That's all fine. Let's talk about America, because we care about America. <laughs> and we came up with bourbon. Yeah. Um, bourbon good. Bourbon, yeah. What's bourbon? What's the, what's the difference? Because, so, I mean, if you, if you put a bourbon, an Irish, and a Scotch, I, I would be able to tell you which one is which um, very easily. What's the difference with bourbon? So bourbon, so with that mash bill of malted barley and non-malted barley in Ireland, it goes through a triple pot distillation process, right? And it's matured in refill American barrels. So not virgin American oak, it's matured in refill American barrels. Then, in, if you compare that to American whiskey and take bourbon as the example, first of all, bourbon has a TTB requirement, which is the which would be the 
governing of of alcohol and tobacco. TTB. Yeah, which is the 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 governing body for for t uh, tobacco and alcohol, and it basically says that bur for something to be a bourbon whiskey, it has to have a minimum of fifty one percent corn in the mash bill. It has to be distilled at less than one hundred and sixty proof. So is the difference that with uh, Irish whiskey there isn't corn and here there is corn? For the quintessential style of Irish whiskey, malted barley and unmalted barley, Got no. It. But there are other whiskies that you can produce in Ireland called grain whiskey, which can use corn. But if you were to compare with, say, the quintessential pot still with, uh, with a bourbon whiskey, yeah, that's one okay. key difference. The other key difference is that it would be matured in virgin American oak barrels. And it can only be matured in virgin American oak barrels. And then the other, the, other one, the other key difference is the process, the distillation process. Typically, bourbon would be distilled in a column still and a doubler. Towards that, let me ask a real specific question. What kind of Irishman would have a talk with somebody with an empty glass in front of him? I didn't realize, you see, this is a problem. This is the problem, you see. You've been asking me all the questions. I don't have an opportunity to finish my whiskey, but you yeah, have, I do. you see. All right, I'm going to try this one. Try the bourbon, right, yeah, this the one, Irish plus bourbon. I've heard about this. So this is a blend between Irish and, and bourbon. I'll, I'll just, let me ask you about the romance about it. Um, there is a romance with whiskey. There is a tradition. America is a lot younger, and we still have a strong tradition. Talk about it, the Irish and you know, UK love a whiskey, how far back does it go? And why do people love, love whiskey in a different way than they love other spirits? I mean, there, there is a, I want to say romance. Is that the right word? Yeah, I, I, I would say that, you know, Irish whiskey, if you go back to the historical times, Irish whiskey would have been the biggest, uh, suppose, supplier of whiskey around the world up until the late 1800s. So Irish whiskey has a really, really strong tradition. And if you go back to the history books, I know Scottish distilleries will, our Scottish distillers will argue the point, but it, it stems from returning missionary monks back in the 15th, 16th century in Ireland, coming back with what was called the Alembic, which, was a, which is how a pot still ultimately became um, designed. And this Alembic was used in, in, in the Far East for producing different types of... Um, apothecary and some some you know different herbal remedies and these guys brought it back and started to use uh, it to produce alcohol and that's essentially how the start what, of whiskey making exactly yeah how the start of whiskey making started and as i said ireland was the biggest exporter of of whiskey worldwide up until the late 1800s and a oh. number of unfortunate opportunities that's the stuff <laughs> i've been waiting a long time to meet this you see, the, the, thing that, the thing that I love about when the people's reaction when they taste Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American or Keeper's Heart Irish Plus Bourbon is it, gives you, it shows that Irish whiskey can stand up alongside bourbon and give an extra dimension compared to 100% bourbon whiskey or 100% Irish whiskey. This is one of the things that we're seeing when we're, as we go across the different markets, that people are enjoying the, the taste, the, the mouthfeel, the overall flavor, and the, evolve, the evolving flavors that come through the whiskey as it sits in your glass. Although the last whiskey didn't get much of an opportunity to sit in your glass. If you leave it to sit a little bit longer, <laughs> you might see... You're starting to look better all the time, by the way. <laughs> you might well, the see a revolution of the flavors. <laughs> so the, um, the government role has changed, and I've heard other distillers 
in the UK talk about the burden of regulation and uh, taxation on, on that. Here in the United States, we have sin taxes because some nanny doesn't want us to enjoy, enjoy this because they think, it's, they think it's bad. Let's talk about the UK first. How difficult is it to bring a product to market? How much, by the end, when I buy a bottle of this, how much does the government get? Well, I, I don't know what happens in the UK because I'm from Ireland. Ireland. So, um, what happens in Ireland? What happens in Ireland is that there is there would be a very high excise duty in Ireland for for um, for whiskey, and it would probably take I don't know exactly off the top of my head nowadays, but it is almost taking over half the price of a bottle of whiskey. I would say. Is in other action. words, without the government, I could have twice the whiskey. Technically speaking, yeah. Technically right. speaking, my liver couldn't have twice. <laughs> the um, so, you and, do, and by the way, it's, it's close to the same here. It's, it's about 40%, and it varies by state, varies by locality. It gets really confusing. And it means that higher-end stuff is even harder to get. Yeah. You know, because sometimes it's taxed by volume. Some places it's taxed by price. Yeah. You, and and, it, and, it, and it, it's, it's hard, it's hard to, to figure out. Um, when you're setting up this new business, what, what did you find was the major difference, let's talk politically or culturally, between distilling in your home and distilling in the States? I think there was, it was a bit of a surprise to me in that, you know, there's, there's a, a geographical indication for Irish whiskey which sets out the rules for, for making Irish whiskey. I tell you, this is really good. But there's also the same types of rules in America. So from a from a regulation point of view, there's 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 similar rules, but it's just done for different styles of whiskey. Um, I think what gives us the the opportunity within these within these guidelines and within these rules is that we still have the capabilities of producing new distillate styles, which ultimately will lend itself to new whiskies. So we're we have been able to produce our whiskies. The one that we're doing at the moment Basically, is a triple pot still right. You're the Silicon Valley of whiskey that you're going to be trying new creations. Yeah, and we 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 started to produce a triple pot still right, which is something that hasn't been done before, and we're playing around with that at the moment. And it's very very exciting and very very enjoyable to see those new taste profiles and those new flavours of distill coming off the pot still and then just imagining what they're going to be like as they mature in the virgin American oak barrel and, and we see that progress. That's what makes this interesting. You talk about the romance of drinking whiskey, there's also a fantastic romance and wizardry around making whiskey and that's, what I, that's why I love this business and that's why I love being here and getting the opportunity to be involved in something like this in Keeper's Heart from being involved from the ground up and developing a brand from the ground up because you have a little bit more flexibility you have a little bit more opportunity for innovation and 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 try something different how as, as far as scale if jameson's output uh, over a year was 100 what's the output of this by comparison ah uh, it's 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 insig it's totally insignificant in terms of volume but it's all but so it's, it's less, not less than one percent yeah so well yeah so yeah this absolutely is, this is yeah. A, this is a crap and by the way you're not the only guy doing experimentation with whiskey. It seems no. as though through, um, in the last few decades, the United States had an explosion of craft beers. And people who were into beer were starting their own companies, and it was really exciting to see. And different blends and different, I mean, just crazy stuff. It seems as though that is happening throughout the United States with whiskey as well. 
Oh, absolutely. But you're even in, 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 in Denver and Colorado, just, just take a look around and see the amount of Colorado whiskies that are out there when you go into your off-premise here. It is something that is really, really growing and really, really um, interesting because they all have different niches. They all have different flavor profiles. And that's what's great about whiskey. It's same in Minnesota and Minneapolis. There's so many different ranges of, of distilleries that are having their own little different um, ideals on, on the way they want to make their whiskey. I just think that's fantastic because it gives the consumer a lot more option for choice of flavor, of taste, and, and that's what it's about. A friend of mine started a um, margarita company. Mm. And when she did it, she found that the biggest problem was with the government because she had to go and get permission for even the labels. And so what she thought was going to be a one-year runway turned out to be a two-year runway to get it up and running. I imagine as a distiller, you probably don't have to worry about that as much as the actual content. It's just that um, what local brewers found, and I think local distillers, is that there's a lot of hoops you have to run through in order to get the product out, and then you've got to sell it. Yeah. All right, that, I think making it would be the fun part. Uh, selling it's got to be the tough part. Talk to me a little bit about the sales end of this. Yeah. Because here, here you are, you have this high-end, delicious whiskey. And I, I know you, you make it, somebody else has to sell it. How goes the sales? How do, you, how do you find spots for it in a liquor store? Well, I think, you know, on the label you just, front... You just keep talking as long <laughs> as you want, I'm happy. On the label front, what you find is that like we're very lucky with the team we have because they're very experienced in you know making sure that our label conforms with what the TTB tell us to do, and that's important because you know there is a lot of time wasted if you put in the wrong label and it comes back and all of that. So once you get over that hurdle and you have the experience to, to get it right, that's it becomes it becomes relatively easy. I think we're very fortunate in, in terms of the sales in that we again made sure that we brought a team of, of people that were experienced in the sales of whiskey we, who had connections with very good distributors. So as a result, in, its, in our first year, we're actually in 18 states physically, wow. which for a brand new brand, that is, that is, that is very, very good going. Also, from that point of view, our sales are, we reckon at this stage, we're probably the second fastest growing whiskey over the last number, over 25 years. And that is, that is amazing. It's only year one though. You know what I mean? You're starting from a how very small take, base. How long does it take from when the truck dumps off all the grain mm -hmm. to when you can put it into a bottle to sell it? Well, that's for our process what we're doing at the moment, so the whiskey that we're laying down at our distillery since last September, that whiskey won't come on the market until September 2024. And the whiskey we're doing now will come on the market in September 2025 and, and so on. These whiskeys are, are sourced, so we source our Irish whiskey from Great Northern Distillery, and we source our American whiskey from MGP, and then we do the art of blending, and then we can bring those to market to, straight away. And that allows us to, you know, to have a brand immediately when you launch the, the distillery, and this is a brand that will continue with sourced whiskeys into the future. Talk to me about blended whiskey, because at least with scotch, there seems to be this, it's blended whiskey, and therefore, you know, it's... Yeah, you, you want single malt. Is, is that true? It all depends on what people are looking for. I mean, for, for me as a, as a distiller and a blender, 
there's a lot goes into blending a whiskey and creating the right flavor and complexity. I mean, these, these two whiskies that you see here, Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American and Keeper's Heart Irish Plus Bourbon, are a blend of three different components. But to get this right, it was between 120 and 140 iterations and, and prototypes in order to get that balance right. And that's what it's about. So for me, it's all about, you I'm know, trying, getting trying, that correct balance. I'm trying to imagine the, 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 the tasting room while you're doing this. Oh, yeah, it was great fun. Can, can you even remember <laughs> what you tasted? Do you guys, like, taste it and spit it out the same way whinies do? You never spit it out. <sighs> Why God would bless you spit you. it out? Why would you? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why is it this? Another stupid question. Why is it? Why is it brown? Why is okay? Well, yeah. the, when it goes into the barrel, it's actually colourless. So it comes off our stills colourless. It comes off every still colourless, and it's the barrel that actually delivers the colour to the whiskey. So if you were to make whiskey, let's say in a steel cast, not a wood cast, nothing would happen. It would be the same as it goes in as what it co what would come out. So the wood makes a huge. Difference. Oh, the wood, wood has a massive impact on the overall taste profile and flavour of the whiskey. And is it just the wood, or was it what was in the wood barrel before? Because I've heard, I've seen whiskeys that are, you know, used, they used it for port over here, yeah. and now they're using it for whiskey because they think it's yeah. treated the wood some way. And that that it, you're you're correct in both ways. So we with for something like uh, a rye or a bourbon, you have to mature it in virgin American oak, so it has never had anything in there before, but it's been charred on the inside. And it's, it's a, so for bourbon. Brand new cast. Brand new barrels. Has to be for, Has to be brand, brand in or, new barrels. So let me see if I got this right, because I, I, I don't understand this. To be bourbon, mm -hmm. new barrel. Yeah. To be Irish whiskey. Refill barrels, or you can use new barrels. Okay. But if you put a bourbon mash, a distillate from a bourbon mash into a refill barrel, you can only call it whiskey made from a, a bourbon mash. You can't call it bourbon, bourbon, because the bourbon rule says it's virgin murder. Is this kind of like champagne can only come from France? It's, you, and it's it, an it's indication. Sparkling, sparkling wines. Yeah, it's, else. it's a geographical indication. It's a well for for bourbon. It's not. It's it's more than a geographical indication. It's almost a definition of what makes uh, a bourbon whiskey. And then you've got straight bourbon, which means that it has to be aged for more than two years. So there's there's different there's different rules. Um, but then you talk about finish, you talk about does, does something that has been in a barrel deliver flavor to the whiskey? Well, this is a very good example of that. This is the straight. And this is a 10-year-old single malt that we sourced in Ireland, but we finished it for four months in Malaga wine barrels. What's Malaga so wine barrel? Malaga is a, is a region in Spain, and it creates a lovely sweet wine. And how it does it is actually, it has the grapes and they, they, they sun dry the grapes to keep that extra sweetness. And then that, that goes into the barrels for a number of years. And then we take those barrels and we finish our 10 year old single malt in it. And what that does is it imparts additional flavor from the Malaga wine to the whiskey. And it can happen over a very short period of time simply because the barrel is fresh. Over on the western slope of Colorado, there are wineries. Mm -hmm. It's our very sad attempt of, of having a Napa Valley. And um, I've come to, to learn the lesson. If you want to make a million dollars in the wine business, start with two million dollars. <laughs> I've got to imagine that is even more so investing in something like this, where you're talking about years and years and you're making a whiskey you're not going to be able to taste for three, four, five years. 
and you don't know if it's going to be any good until three or... Ah, well, you do. How do you? Ah, you do. It's the experience. It's the experience. <laughs> it's like a good melon. You just know. <laughs> but you're right. But you are right in, in, in terms of when you're, when you're laying down whiskey, it is a long period of time before you can actually see the fruits of that lay down on, in a bottle on market on shelf. And that is, does, you does know. Does age really matter? If I'm picking up a bottle of whiskey and it's, it doesn't have an age versus one that says this is 25 years old. Does the age approximate better? No. Age will approximate that it's older. Doesn't necessarily mean it's better. I mean, there are, there are some fantastic blended whiskies out there that are between six and eight and ten-year-old whiskies, and the flavor profile of them, for me, deliver a lot more for a whiskey in, in terms of complexity and balance than a, some 25-year-old whiskies are, are, are older. I mean, these whiskies here, the blend of Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American and Keeper's Heart Irish Plus Bourbon, are four-year-old whiskies. They don't taste like four-year-old whiskies. They taste no. a lot older. And, and well, the thing about it is that people do get transfixed on age as, as a mark of quality. It's not necessarily that. It's a mar it can be can a mark it, of rarity. Can it go bad over time? For instance, wine can go bad. And I, I, from what I understand, I'm not a whiny. Um, that there's kind of a target range. This bottle will be at its peak on this year. Yeah. And then after that, it will start to deteriorate. So whiskey, whiskey, no, whiskey in a bottle will be stable. Now, if you store it in direct sunlight, if you store it in the wrong, you know, if you store it where it's exposed to extreme heat and all of that, it will change for the worse. But whiskey will hold its flavor provided that it's sealed properly and it's, it's, it's covered back up properly when you open it. Think about whiskey is when you're sitting around with some folks, it's an elixir. It, it's a social lubricant. You sit, you talk, and then you let your guard down. And so that's why better conversations happen around a bottle of whiskey. Um, but I've also noticed that a first sip of whiskey tastes really different than the fifth sip of whiskey. Why? Whiskey when you, when, you, when you talk about a whiskey, right, and you talk about whiskey flavours, and if we use Keeper's Heart Irish Plus American as an example, there's three different components in that. So there's three different types of whiskey in that blend. Each one of those components has well over a thousand or even two thousand congeners or flavours in, in that. So you have almost, we'll say, six thousand congeners, a combination of flavours inside in this glass. As it begins to heat up in your hand or as it's sitting there, what actually happens is some of these flavors begin to evaporate at different temperatures. So that's why each time you go back and you nose it, you're getting some of those congeners evaporating from the glass. And that's why- Say that word again. Congeners. Congeners? Yeah, which is up. flavors. That's just an, that, no, that's an Irish made up. Not at all. It sounds, it sounds a nice Irish word, but it's not. <laughs> to wrap this up, let, let me ask you, in, this causes barroom fights. Do you put ice in? Do you put water in? Or do you have it straight up? I'll tell you a better one. You have it the way you enjoy it. No, no, Absolutely. no. Absolutely. No, I, I need definitive answers to this. Well, this, I, I, I'd because be quite I, honest I know with guys, you. I know guys, when they have a scotch, 
You can only put oh, special yeah. type of water in oh, it. Oh yeah. And if you put From a nice pet. Yeah, if you if you put <laughs> if, if you put a cube in it, it, it it's an insult. Oh yeah, but but who's it an insult to? I don't know. Exactly. Um, I've had all three of these. You haven't. You've only had two. Oh no, no, I've. I've had I heard, oh, I've, <laughs> I've, I've had some keepers aren't long before I met you, my friend. Uh, I've got to tell you, this this Irish and bourbon, oh, mm. I have never had anything like it. All right, I'm glad you like it. What is the cost? Just to, just so people. So um, keepers heart Irish plus American is twenty nine ninety nine. Really? Yeah, and keepers heart Irish plus bourbon is is, is around thirty six thirty seven dollars. So it's very, very accessible whiskey. You're not getting this back. I just want to <laughs> people want to learn more about this. Where, where, where can they buy it here in Colorado? So it's available in all off-premise um, stores, off-premise, off which means liquor stores, and you should see it in a, a lot of bars across Colorado as well. So you know, my advice to people is who want to try it is go in and ask your local bartender, do they have it? And if they don't, say why? I want to try it. <laughs> it's worth trying. All right, completely off-topic. We'll make this final question. Your whole life in Ireland, bring the family out to the United States. What is the biggest culture shock? Forget about liquor. I mean, just talking about from from yeah. Ireland. Now you're you're in America. You're America now. <laughs> what are you finding about America? I, I I'll be honest with you. It was a big concern of of ours coming over. Would the, would the kids settle in? Would the kids you know, how would they be received, the right? Kids can steal booze from their old men. They'll be the most popular <laughs> kids in school. Apart from that. But it was the, the biggest, I suppose, shock for me, actually, was how friendly and how integrated everybody brought our family into the, into the fold. What do you mean by came. integrated? What I meant was, what I mean is that we arrived to uh, America not knowing anybody. I knew people, but my right. wife and kids didn't know anybody. And we had neighbors that literally didn't have kids. My, my, I'll give an example. My, my middle daughter, she was starting a new school, like all of them were. My eldest daughter was starting a school, but the girl next door was starting the same year as her, so they got friendly straight away. Other neighbors realized that my, my daughter, who was starting into sixth grade, didn't know anybody. So they went and they arranged for family, friends, and relations that had daughters that age going to that school to come together and invite us over for for an evening so that they could meet and mingle and become friends right you are so naive and gullible Wait. why do i why do i think at that dinner oh, you, brought, whiskey. you brought a bottle I of whiskey didn't. yes exactly I that's what i'm talking about whiskey yeah see yeah yeah so, it's not about your daughter they just want the yeah, booze but, but they didn't get the whiskey they didn't get i didn't bring any because oh. i hadn't got it at the time but now they've got lots of whiskey. You are welcome here anytime <laughs> you like. You better bring whiskey. Brian, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much. No, I thank a you lot. for having me. Very enjoyable. This is John Caldera. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Devil's Advocate, I hope you'll share it with a friend. You can listen to more episodes on all streaming services with new ones being released weekly. And remember, this is the audio from our television show. To watch the video version, just search the letters IITV for Independence Institute TV on YouTube for this and many other great conversations.